Welcome to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. My guest is Tim Lewis, who's here to talk about the Save Hayward action, I suppose you'd call it. You were, uh, you were down there at Hayward Field recently during the NCAA track meet. Right. It was the uh, 2018 NCAA Track and Field Championships yeah. at uh, Hayward Field on, uh, I don't know, just uh, about a week ago, last Friday. Yeah. Whatever date that is. Uh, first of all, welcome to Train of Thought, by the way. Um, well, thanks, Rob. We've got some history together. We do. We used to do some some video, cable mm-hmm. access, and well, a bunch LCC of different things. Well, LCC is where we learned L- that's uh, right. the we groove were, we were of in video s- production. In community college <laughs> together. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I'm still, we're both still doing it. I know you've, mm-hmm. you've done a lot of uh, um, video and kind of... Uh, well, I would say political and environmental stuff over the years here here in town. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, I guess sort of got connected with Earth First and stuff through the Warner Creek campaign and uh, created this uh, documentary called uh, Pickaxe with Tim Marine. So, and for people that don't know, Warner Creek was? Warner Creek was a uh, an area that was burned by an arsonist, 40,000 acres, and, uh, and then uh, the government decided that, hey, since it's burnt, let's cut it. And we said, no, that's not too cool. And so we blockaded a road for a year and won, and the Clinton administration decided to buy it back. So that was outside of Oak Ridge, about 15 miles east of Oak Ridge. They bought it back and then ended up taking some of the— No. Oh, they, they preserved it? They preserved it. Yeah. Awesome. From the political pressure and the campaign that we waged through civil disobedience and direct action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're no stranger to direct action and being part of it, not only with your body, but with camera and, and, and getting the word out with the media. Right. Yeah. So recently we know, uh, there was this, they just announced just like a couple of months ago, really, that they were going to take down the East Grandstand or just remodel the whole, uh, track and field, Hayward field, uh, area and, uh, uh, isn't that right? It, the word just well, came out not well, too long ago. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it. I'm. I'm not even quite sure of all. You know how the process was in, instant. You know, was was not very inclusive. What's what it sounds like for when I first started hearing about it was that Tinker Hatfield, uh, a guy who went to the University of Oregon and went to high school just up the valley a little bit in a small little high school up the valley. Um, he's also the guy who designed the Air Jordan. And so he's been connected with Nike for a long time, and he's an architect, and he had a design that most everybody loved, and it sounds like everybody was in agreement. And then when it got to be near the end of April, all of a sudden, Phil Knight feels like this process is moving along along a little slow, so he brings in one of his henchmen. I guess his name is Slusher or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so Slusher starts, you know, he's like uh, the hired gun, you know, like out of Shane, you know. Uh, what's his name? What's the, was the guy in the black man in black, the man in black. Oh, the actor. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Instead of, you know, like hired guns, Jack Palance was his name. Oh, right, right. Instead of hired guns, it was like this hired tongue that uh, Phil brings in and he's, and so Slusher, uh, smooths everything out and brings in this new design and which is made of plastic, um, the uh, the arena looks like a giant toilet seat, and there's a giant nine-story phallic symbol at uh, the north end of it. And uh, and so 
Slusher and Phil Knight push that design with everybody else going, this is ridiculous. This is a horrible looking design. But what that design upset me about many other people was that it destroyed Hayward Field. It's taken out the East Grandstand. It's taken out all the magic uh, that we felt was created there by Prefontaine and many other athletes from the past. And uh, and so with this new design, it was just, dis- you know, modernity was just destroying the past. And so losing the facility is one thing, but would you say your protest is more about losing that facility or is it about this public process of how it all came down? Well, for me, it's pretty personal. I mean, I grew up here in Eugene and I was a distance runner at North Eugene High School and I was on the infield practically every time Prefontaine ran. Oh, wow. So I wanted to be like Pre. Yeah. Be like Pre, you know, be like Mike or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he was my hero. He was my Muhammad Ali, like a lot of kids who were running here in Eugene. And so um, to me, Hayward Field was Prefontaine. Yeah. That's what it represented. And so then, of course, um, with fat cats like Phil Knight, who um, can sort of take our little town and do whatever they want with it, that pisses me off, too. But when it has something to do with something that's really personal to me, like Hayward Field and many people, then, you know, I haven't, you know, decided I haven't really got out there and done much direct action over the years. But this this I decided was maybe a time to uh, pull that little tool out of the toolbox and have some fun. So I watched you. They, there is a video online that, that was posted that uh, kind of documents what you right. did. And um you had these T-shirts, I guess layers of T-shirts, but right. I'll, I'll just read some of the messages on your T-shirts okay. were hallowed grounds, stop Phil, feed the magic, pre-lives for now, killing the magic. So just talk about that, your messaging and and um, and maybe describe that, that magic. That, well, you know, I mean, it's just like, well, I mean, the magic, I guess, is as a young boy, for many of us, I'm 62 now, so I'm not so young anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it's just, it was like yesterday, dreaming that I could be the next Prefontaine. Yeah. Like many of the young boys and girls of that time, um, we were going to Hayward Field and, and dreaming of what we could become. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those hopes and dreams of youth is some of that magic, I think, that I feel besides just, you know, the the things that have happened there at Hayward Field over the decades, the amazing races and competitions and and uh, the characters that uh, walked around the, those those stands that are now being destroyed, like Bill Bowerman or Bill Dillinger or Roscoe Devine or or Jim Gorella or Harry Jerome and all these great athletes from the past are, are all sort of embedded within the wood of the East Grandstand for a lot of us. So I'll play devil's advocate just okay. for a moment. I mean, the, the, <laughs> that was... That was history making, and that did put Eugene on the map as this right. as this wonderful track mecca. And I think these people now they want to keep upping that, and they want the world to come here, and they want right. our facilities to be world class facilities. Um, and I know, I mean, actually, the first design they were going to try to incorporate some right. of the old and and still and Grand still Stand. remodel, right. right? But. I guess there's an argument to make at some point you have to to, to be to be world class you need these world class facilities. 
Well, I mean, I think that that's what people are thinking. That's what Phil Knight's thinking. That's what Vin is thinking. That's what, you know, all the, all the people who promoted Eugene to bring the 2021 World Track Championships here is promoting. Um, but I think they're getting a little ahead of themselves. Uh, I think the design that Tinker Hatfield had was still maintaining some of that magic, which is the look and the feel of the East Grandstand and still expanding and to be able to bring in more seat and modernize Hayward Field, but still retaining that feel of, of what Hayward Field is to many people, not just me, but people all over the world. Yeah, I mean, people think of Hayward Field and they think of that East Grandstand, and now it's, it's not going to be Hayward Field anymore. And so I think as a marketing standpoint and to attract people, I think – you know, a plastic toilet seat looking thing with a giant dildo on the end just ain't going to be the same thing as Hayward Field and the East Grandstand, man. Yeah. So I think the marketing people have just gone a little bit too over the top. Yeah. And like I said in that video, I think it has a lot to do with Phil Knight and to want to immortalize himself because he's getting to be an older man. Right. And he's going to pass on like we all will, but he wants to leave big old pyramids behind uh, so he can be immortalized. And yeah. I think this is a part of that toilet seat dildo crap <laughs> that we're, we're seeing at Hayward Field. It's a little bit about his ego and immortality. Yeah, and Oregon, yeah, I just like you said, plastic. It just didn't, I saw the design, it just didn't have that earthy look to what Oregon maybe represents and a, a little more blood and guts of what, what pre-represented. Well, but also, you know, Hayward Field's track and field, right? Yeah. It's, you know, Hayward Field, they used to play football there years ago, decades right. ago, but it's track and field. But when you create this giant design, this new venue, it's going to be more than just track and field. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be concerts. It's going to be maybe, you know, giant truck competitions or whatever. Now the university has this other venue that, that they can utilize to bring in other performances or other types of shows. Yeah. And so it's not just track and field. It'll be a variety of things. And so it'll be watered down. It's not going to be so focused upon track and field. And that's a part of the magic too, this venue that just is track and field. And that's what it's there for, and track I and field. You know, I remember... I don't know if you today you can, but it used to be able to just you know, have access to it. I never remember yeah. my dad. My dad <laughs> yeah. came out and said, "Can yeah. I go run around the?" You know, he, I ran a couple of laps with him. We just walked in there and and ran around the track, and it was just like awesome. But uh, I'm not sure if you can even do that today. You, you can't. Uh -huh. And because we did the same thing. I used to, you know, train there. We used to go there. You know, I've got out of the army like an idiot. I went in the army in the '80s. Would would go there and work out and run up and down the steps and just lie around in the pole vault pit. Sometimes the cushions would still be there and we'd just be sitting there after a workout and just yeah. remembering the old days, you know, which weren't so old at that time. Yeah. Um, we're almost done with this segment. Okay. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about just what it was like to go out there with uh, direct oh, yeah. action and, yeah. and also about just talk about this public process of what, what uh, Phil Knight and his, uh, his gang did to actually make this happen, or it seems to be happening, but uh, right. it's not done yet. No. Uh, so it's yeah, still can... standing, but once it's down game over. Right. right. Um, my guest is Tim Lewis. We're talking about uh, save Hayward field. 
My name is Rob Tobias. This is Train of Thought. We'll be right back. Train of Thought is produced at Maximo Productions in Eugene, Oregon. For comments and feedback, send an email to rob at robtobias.com. We're back with Tim Lewis on Train of Thought. My name's Rob Tobias. Uh, good to have you here, Tim. Talking about Thanks. this Save Hayward Field action. Right. Um, yeah, the video of you going out <laughs> on the field during the meet. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that. Actually, I wanted to read a, a Joan Baez quote. Uh, right. She's talking about, because uh, in the video you talked about um, finding your courage to do it. Mm -hmm. And Joan says, courage is not something for people who it's easy to do great things. It's for people who it's not easy to do brave things. Mm -hmm. So maybe just talk about doing that direct action that day and going to the meet and preparing right. to get out in front of all those people and make, right. make this statement. What, um, and you said, you talk about finding your courage. What, right. what, what is that to you? Well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, the courage, you know, I mean, I'll just tell you how I, I found my courage and you know, the process I went through to find that courage on that day. Um, I sort of knew that I was I was going to go to this meet with a couple of friends, and they had tickets, and and I knew that this I was upset about the process with Phil and and uh, and what was going to be happening to Hayward Field. Um, so I started thinking about the T-shirts and the signal. I mean, the message I could write on those T-shirts, and and then I started talking to people, my friends around me, and go, well, maybe I'll jump on the track. Maybe I'll do something like that. But I didn't know if I was going to do that or not. But if, if I told my friends that maybe I was going to do something like that, then that would sort of force my hand to do it because I wouldn't want to be talking poo to my friends. How far in advance? That day? Two days. Oh, you started talking? One or, yeah, I started talking this idea to friends around me, people I lived with, you know. And so it sort of created this momentum that was maybe hard to stop. Something I knew that needed to be done, but I don't know if I had the courage or not to do it. But this was one way of helping me find the courage because I didn't want to have to, you know, lie to my friends. <laughs> your word. You got to keep your word. <laughs> got to keep the word, you know. Yeah. So. So anyway, on the day we went there, um, I had my T-shirts, you know, designed. I just used a Sharpie on a couple of my, actually my roommate's T-shirts because I didn't have white T-shirts. And uh, we went there and, uh, and me and three other people and uh, watched the track meet. And I went in there with my hoodie on covering my message because I didn't know how it was going to be received by security. But then I took my sweatshirt off and uh, people were coming up and going, that's a great message. That's awesome. You know, thanks for the message and everything. And so we were on the north, the north end of the east grandstand along a fence watching the track me. I wasn't in the stands at that time. And then I would wander back into the stands testing the waters there to see how would, people would respond. 5,000 people up in those stands. And so, you know, I was getting good response there too, but I still wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I'd bounce back to my friends and going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. I God, I don't know. 
you know, and uh, and so then it got to be the 5,000 meters, which is Prefontaine's favorite race. Yeah. And uh, it came to the end of it. And I was up in the stands and uh, and I was talking to these guys who were interested in my message. And all of a sudden I just says, I'm going out. And they go, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm going out in the track. I go, really? I go, yeah, see ya. And I just took off and I was on the East Grandstand track Nobody else hardly out there. They're getting ready for the 4 by 400 relay, the final event. And, uh, and I just start showing off my T-shirts and start dancing around back and forth along the East Grandstand, and people are starting to stand up and clap. And then all of a sudden, I'm feeling empowered by, you know, their response. And, uh, and I'm excited, and I'm not nervous anymore. And uh, so I go to the end of the East Grandstand, the, the South End, and come back. And I decide right then that I'm going to take off and run around the track and try to make it to the finish line. Damn yeah. it. And so I take off, and uh, people are just clapping like crazy. And I'm just like, you know, save Hayward, save Hayward. And you see me on the big screen, right? My message is on the big screen now. And, wow. And I'm just going, okay, this is this is getting over the top, but this is cool. I'm having fun. Let's keep it going. And you come around the last bend to the, you know, the last straightaway to the finish line, and there's 10 to 15 security officers there in the middle of the track. And I stop. And I face off with them and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and the crowd starts booing and because they're booing the security people because they want to see me continue to go. And I'm just going, okay, now they're giving me more fuel, right? So I run right at the security people and do a couple of head fakes and get around them and jump back on the track and then run to the finish line. And, uh, oh, you had to kind of go in the infield a little bit. Had to bit go to the get, infield a little uh-huh, bit, you know, uh-huh. and then jump back out. They, right. A couple of people tried to grab me. They didn't get a hold of me. And then I put on a burst of speed, a which. A wide receiver you know, move. Yeah. My old hoop moves, you know, a little <laughs> yeah, head fake action. There you, you go. Know? And uh, then got to the end, and that was it until, you know. And what interesting part of this is Vin, I forget how to pronounce his last name. The, He's the guy who's bringing in the, um, the, the world championships in 2021. He was a track and cross-country coach before Robert Johnson. Oh, yeah. He, um, then, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, I forget but, his but, name. But there's an old fellow who's been working with, uh, the, you know, volunteer for the track meets for decades. And he saw Vin on the phone after I crossed the finish line. And Vin was saying, somebody arrest that guy. And the old guy was saying he was really upset. And uh, so I continued to go back to where I, w- I, would, I started to go back to where I was standing with my friends. And, and two police officers came up to, to me and arrested me. And I spent 24 hours in jail. Oh, and, wow. Uh, but, you know, 24 hours ain't much. But the kind Still, of situation is it's no fun. But, but, uh, but it, it was well worth it. So you had gotten off the track and back up in the stands before you got arrested? No. What, you know, on the west side, you know, I finished. I crossed the finish line. And everybody was cool, and all the you know the people running the meet were fine, and they said, it, you know, and I just went off behind the West Grandstands. There's like a little area back there you can walk behind the West Grandstand, uh-huh. and I was walking behind there, and I was going to head back and around to the right. East Grandstand. That's right, and that's where the police were. Yeah, I see. Yeah, um, and was there any vibe in the whole? Uh, had they made any announcement like this is the last big meet? Or well, it was it was trippy, which I didn't like too much. Is like the announcers would talk about 
you know, and in 2021, we'll have a new track, you know, a new venue here and it'll be beautiful. And this might be one of the last meets we're going to have here at Hayward Field. And, you know, it's all talking about how what's going to be. Yeah. And not, you know, and, and did not, the crowd respond to any of those? Not really. Yeah. Not really. I mean, mm-hmm. what I was really hoping for, I guess, Rob, was that when I got out in front of the East Grandstand, I was hoping that a ton of people would come out to the track. You know, I was sort of hoping that because there were a lot of people in there wearing stop fill T-shirts and, uh-huh. and other things. And I was hoping that maybe this would encourage them, you know, like. Oh, come out and join Come you. out and join just like on a dance floor. Somebody's got to get out there on the dance floor yeah. first and everybody else comes out to dance. Right. And that's what I was sort of hoping for. And, and so I was starting to be silly out there and trying to get people encouraged and trying to get them to come on down. But. I don't know, man. It's just, uh, I guess it was, I was just, uh, you know, more entertainment than anything. (laughs) Well, you made a statement. A lot of people, you were, you were messaging something that a lot of people are feeling. And so that, that's awesome. That, I mean, I mean, obviously you had to, now you have a court day. I'm I'm not sure what they charged you. Well, they charged me, uh, with, uh, trespassing and, uh, I've got an attorney. He's a buddy of mine. I've known for decades and, and he's defending me, and we're pleading not guilty. We've got a jury trial. And what's so sweet about it is I'll be able to get discovery and get all the video that they have, and I might be able to even subpoena Vin because for what he said, and I've got a witness with this old guy who uh, saw him on the phone, you know, saying, you need to arrest this guy. And so why is Vin, you know, what kind of power does he have? We'll find out. So I don't know. It's all fun and games sometimes. (laughs) And it's all, you know, we can get some cool video that, Typically, we can't access unless we do discovery and plead not guilty. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, and last thing about it, just this process of how Phil got it done. What my understanding was, there was like a lease to get it out of university hands, like to Phil's organization. I don't know if you've heard this. Yeah, this the story LLC. That, that, and then they, they create this this organization that doesn't have to do the public process they get this project done, then they lease it back or give it back to the university. It's just a total end around of what should be. Right. You know, I've heard that. And I'm not quite sure how to explain all that. Right. Let's just say that Phil and uh, the, the hired tongues and guns um, know, and their attorneys know how to get around all that stuff. I kind of liked your comparison to Phil as the Pharaoh, you know, yeah. using all his wealth to create Im- immortality for himself. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. Any other thoughts about that? I mean, obviously he's a powerful well, guy and money, money, money is power. Well, but you know what? I think it really comes down for me is like, this is a special place for me. Like I was saying, it was like my childhood dreams and visions and everything were, were developed there. And, uh, and also Phil's were too. Right. His, his whole motive, his whole, um, motivation and dreams and ideas came from Hayward Field when he was a runner, when he was under Bill Bowerman's auspices as a coach. Bowerman comes up with other ideas for him also for his shoes and his waffle and his tracks and everything. And then Prefontaine is also the first great athlete to wear the Nike. And so all that comes from this magical place. There was magic for Phil too, and now Phil's pooing all over that that magical place. In my view, yeah, and yeah, I, and I think that that shows a lack of uh, 
honor and respect for your past. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's, uh, you know, and we've seen it in this community with Matt Cord and Civic Stadium. Mm-hmm. And those also, you know, had warm, fuzzy spots in people's hearts. And, and now they're gone, really. Right. Uh, right. And whether the new stuff, we can create a new vibe and new traditions, you know, that's, it's about right. reshuffling. Phil would, would probably say, just do it, you know, if you, you got to bite the bullet sometimes. But, right. but, uh, but yeah, I, I I certainly feel you know people have been around it that long. There is there is a vibe and a magic yeah. to, to well, that space. There you know? is, and you know, and I'm you know I'm sort of you know people go well times are changing. You know, everything's modernity's coming along and things are changing. Plastic's better than wood, and it'll last forever. And blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And you know, and you guys are just old people, and you just want to keep everything you know like it was when you were children. And it's just you know it's not your time anymore. It's our time and everything. All that crap, right? <laughs> and there's some truth to that. But the thing is that at some point, you know, I don't think this country or this world is going in a very good direction. Right. I think a lot of people are feeling the anxiety of modern life. And this is a, just a step down that same old path that people are feeling about whether it's cell phones and technology and screens and kids who can't even think for themselves anymore and and no individuality all that stuff is being taken away and that's modernity and that is also what that toilet seat and that dildo represents to me it's not just you know my own dreams but it's also the destruction of of real humanity and life uh, on this planet it represents that too to me I know. I mean, and the cell phone thing, there's a flip side. I mean, you've done this cop watch and, you know, being on the scene with video. And now there's like video in everybody's hands. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. in some ways it gets, you know, like that day, I'm sure there's a bunch of people took shots of you and your message is out there. I'm trying to find them, man. I know. (laughs) And, uh, And yet it's also Big Brother. You know, it's also the idea that nothing yeah everything's on everything's being watched yeah you know? And, 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 you know there's so much of it that you can't even find anything that you're really you know you're just inundated with so much yeah and it's just crazy but but i don't know back in the day yeah when we only had video cameras and i was really the only video guy around because nobody else had it you know and it was unusual to have a video person around because it cost so much money to do video production back yeah, in the yeah. days as you know i know and everything um so yeah, there were specialists, I guess, around doing that kind of work, and I was one of those cats. And, and it was cool to see other people doing the work, but then also it's uh, it's how flippant, I think, that people just do it. There's so many selfies, and there's so much, you know, me, me, me centered around it that uh, it's really hard to, uh, you know, you just need to sit down and really focus on what you think is important, and I don't think there's much of that going on. It's just point and shoot and get as much as you can and yeah without much thinking um we're about out of time but yeah. uh, i know you've done a lot of great work over the years is there uh, on the web is there a place you can direct people to see some of the some Damn. of the stuff you've done yeah well you know i mean i sort of messed up on my youtube site and everything but uh, you know if you go under picture eugene on youtube and you can also type my name in tim lewis also uh something i'm really proud of is all about parvin you can type that in also on YouTube. So Parvin? All about Parvin. P-A-R-V-I-N. Parvin Butte. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. Cool. This has been Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.